let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you that you have invited us into this place to worship. Thank you that uh, you invite us to confess our sin to you and that you uh, receive us by Christ's grace. You forgive us. You call us your sons and daughters. And now, Lord, we get to sit under your word to receive what you want uh, for us and for our lives. And we pray that in this time that we would know who you are more intimately, that we would have a clearer picture of ourselves before you, God, and that you would transform us by the power of your spirit. And we pray for the same things to be happening for our children downstairs, that you would open up their hearts, that you would uh, shape, transform their lives so that they might be a fully committed disciples of Christ Jesus. And we pray these things in your name, O Lord. Amen. Well, if you are just joining us or if you've uh, forgotten, uh, we are going through a series uh, for Lent on the Lord's Prayer. So Jesus gives his uh, apostles uh, an instruction on uh, the manner of praying. This is how you should pray. He gives them the Lord's Prayer. So what we're doing is we're looking at the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this week we're looking at the third petition, Your Will Be Done. So the first petition, Hallowed Be Your Name. Last week we looked at your kingdom come, this week we're looking at your will be done. And we're doing this through the Lent season, this lead up, this preparation for uh, Good Friday and Easter, so the cross and the empty tomb, uh, these two uh, really uh, ultimate events in the Christian life and the Christian calendar for us. So this week, your will be done, we're looking uh, at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, this is the Lord's Prayer. And we're also using the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism in its uh, final section on gratitude, uh, where it looks at prayer, it looks at the Lord's Prayer, it, it gives us uh, helpful instruction on what this means, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, and so uh, we will pray these words of scripture together, um, and then we will uh, use the words of the catechism together. So Jesus says, this then is how you should pray, and let's make this our prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord, we say. Thanks be to God. And now from the Heidelberg Catechism, this uh, 16th century Reformation teaching tool that helps us to interpret scripture. Question and answer 124 says, what does the third petition mean? Let's say these words together. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means... Help us and all people to reject our own wills and to obey your will without any backtalk. Your will alone is good. Help us, one and all, to carry out the work we are called to as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven.
See if you can identify uh, the movie character who says these things. Are you ready? Okay, we'll do a little trivia. I won't talk to you ever again. You're a rotten, mean father. You never give me anything I want. Okay, is it in your mind yet? Okay, this one, we're just going to get progressively uh, re more revealing. Uh, I, I'll, I'll sing this one. I want the world. I want the whole world. I want to lock it all up in my pocket. It's my bar of chocolate. Give it to me now. Okay, you get a final you get a final hint. You get a final clue. I want an oompa loompa now. Veruca. Yeah, Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka. She's the the spoiled brat whose wealthy father attempts to give her uh, anything and everything that her heart desires. So she wants to uh, she wants to be the first one to get a golden ticket. She wants to be the first one uh, to enter the chocolate factory. She wants a, a goose that lays golden eggs. And of course, we all know she wants an Oompa Loompa, and she wants it now. A part of the song that uh, she sings in this movie, it goes, um, I want a party with room full of laughter, 10,000 tons of ice cream. And if I don't get the things I am after, I'm going to scream. Yes, yes, beautiful, beautiful. Jesus' uh, prayer, Jesus instructs his disciples to pray in this way, your will be done. Your will be done. Well, this is uh, perhaps the most challenging a petition that we have of the six petitions because it is the call uh, for self-denial. It is a call to self-denial, or the catechism says it. It is the call uh, to reject our own will. I cannot pray or I cannot ask or say to someone, your will be done, and still hold on to my own will and expect that it's going to be done. I cannot say, I want your desires to come to pass and still have my desires uh, happen or be carried out. Now, this is a, a prayer of self-denial. This is a, a prayer for rejecting our own will. That's not easy. This morning, we're going to, we're going to ask or we're going to look at um, what, what, uh, what, is, what do we mean? What do we mean by um, this prayer, your will be done? And we're going to ask, uh, why? Why does the Lord give us this part of the prayer, and where does it lead us? Uh, because if we were to be honest, uh, there are times when we pray, we have an idea of how we want our lives to go and what they should look like. And, and when it doesn't happen, we, we have a response that is similar to that of our beloved Veruca Salt, where we, we throw a tantrum, we complain, we turn away from the one uh, to whom we're offering this petition. Before we get into that, let's let's uh, let's ask what what is this? What is or what does this uh, prayer actually mean? Your will be done. 
just, sh- first, briefly, your, your will. So it's not saying my will be done, it is saying your will. And it's not talking about uh, anybody that is uh, here, any earthly creature. Your is taking us back to the address, the, the initial address. And we said, our Father in heaven. So we are praying to God and God alone that his will and his will alone would come to pass. Not ours, not our spouses, not our bosses. God's will would be done. Now, what is God's will? When we talk about God's will, generally speaking, there are two aspects of God's will. There is uh, God's will of decree as one of them, and there is God's will of command. As you know, again, this is generally speaking. In broad terms, there's two aspects to God's will, God's will of decree and God's will of command. Now, God's will of decree is God's a sovereign will, that whatever God says, whatever God orders or decrees, it comes to pass. And it comes to pass merely because he is almighty God in control of everything. God says, let there be light, and there was light. So God has ordered, has set the number of days for our life. This is God's will of decree, and we cannot do anything about it. A good example of uh, this God's will of decree comes from the first chapter of Ephesians where uh, the Apostle Paul says, God predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to his will. God has predetermined. God has willed salvation for his people, and God's will cannot be thwarted. This is his will of decree. God works everything together in conformity with his purpose for his will to be done. This is Paul's thought train in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. God's will, his, his sovereign will, his will of decree, it is going to come to pass. This is not something that can be thwarted. Whether we believe in it or not, whether we accept it or not, does not matter. It is going to happen because God is the ruler and the king of the whole universe. That's the first aspect of God's will, God's will of decree. But then there's also something called God's will of command. God's will of command. God's will of command uh, says that God has, God has ordered the universe to, to work in a proper way. God has uh, set his laws, his commands, his precepts in place, and he desires, he wills that they be followed. God has given us commands or precepts, so this is also called God's preceptive will. And we know we, we can look at uh, the list of ten from the Ten Commandments and say, yeah, this is, this is God's will. God gives us these commands, and God gives us many more commands. God, God's commands for us, his will for our life, is that we not have any other God before him. God's will is that we would honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. God's will is that um, we would love our neighbor as ourselves. God's will is that we would not be anxious about anything, that we would take all things to God in prayer, that we would pray without ceasing. God's will is that we would give thanks in all circumstances. God's will is that we would serve him above everybody and everything else, including and especially money. God's will. God has a way that he wants us to live. His will is that we live by his commands. 
Now when we talk about uh, this, this section of the prayer, your will be done. We're talking about God's will of command, his preceptive will, how God wants us to live, how God wants his creation uh, to follow his will and his ways of living. Now the why. why. Why does God give us? Why does God, or why does Jesus give us this prayer? Why does Jesus say, no, I want you to pray in this manner? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God gives us this prayer through his Son because this is not happening. God gives us this prayer that we would uh, follow God's will of command because it is not being done on earth. Now we have a, a way, we have a vision for our life. We have a, a way that we want our lives to go and we know. We know, uh, we think we know how best to achieve that. So if we have a, a vision for our life to live a comfortable life, a prosperous life, a successful life uh, for ourselves or for our family members, and if something comes uh, in between our will and our way of doing things, uh, sometimes we will conveniently sidestep God's will. Or we will maybe just plow through that will and completely ignore it. Because our will happens to uh, be in conflict with God's will a lot of the time. And so, for instance, in, in Philippians 2, we are, we are commanded uh, to value others above yourselves. Consider others more valuable than you. This, is, this has a whole host of implications for how we are to live in relationship with others. And this is inconvenient. And it often conflicts with our own will. Well, God uh, also tells us, as a, as a part of his will, Matthew chapter 7, he says to, to take the plank, take this big board out of your own eye. He's speaking in hyperbole, but you get the point. He says, take this big board out of your own eye uh, before you try to help your brother or sister remove the, the speck, the, the speck of sawdust from their eye. What, what God wants you to do is he wants you to confront your own sin. He wants you to not take the attention off your own sin to put it on somebody else's sin. And he wants you to, to look at your own sin. This is, this is uncomfortable. This is demanding. We want something that is, that is more convenient for us, something that is less demanding, something that is less costly, something that is less personal for us. Or uh, we have this command uh, in Micah chapter 6 where God says, I want you to seek justice. This is what the Lord desires. He wants you to seek justice. That means we take what we have. We take our money, we take our time, we take our emotions, we take our standing in the community, and we, we use it for those who do not have, those who are uh, living lives in oppression in whatever way. This is not something that we are supposed to wait for. This is something we are supposed to seek out. And yet this is terribly inconvenient. And this often goes against our own will. Now we may laugh. We may laugh about our friend Veruca Salt. Uh, and her way of going about life and going about what she wants. But if we were to be honest, we have to admit that there is a little bit of Veruca salt in all of us. That I want what I want. I know what is best for me, and I know the way to get it. I want it. I want an Oompa Loompa, and I want an Oompa Loompa now. Your will be done is a prayer of self-denial. It's a prayer that rejects our own will and instead, instead says, God, your will be done. 
above everything else, for myself and for this earth, your will be done. That's the, that's the, what is the, what is the Lord's prayer? Why is it given to us? And where is it leading us? Where does this lead us? Well, this prayer is taking us in a certain direction. And we're going to say that it, 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 uh, it guides us, it drives us towards three places. The first place that it drives us toward, and we pray this prayer, is God's word. If we want to live in accordance with God's will, God, your will be done, we kind of have to know what that will is. We kind of have to know what the commands are that God has given to us. And the place where God gives us his commands is in his word. And so a lot of times, uh, these commands, they're, they're fairly straightforward. So like command number seven from ten. What's command number seven? You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. So it's pretty clear. God is saying, hey, you're married. Physical, emotional affairs, they are off the table. Jesus takes this, uh, Jesus takes this a lot deeper, and he says, uh, hey, it's not just the physical act. If, if you're looking at somebody with lust, if you're looking at somebody with desire, uh, that's, that's not permissible. You're committing adultery as well. So fantasy is off the table. Well, that's, that's fairly straightforward. Or if you look at command number nine, what's command number nine? So your chance for redemption. Yeah, bear false witness. Yes, bear false witness. Those sh- you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now this means you, you should not uh, tell a lie about what somebody said or what somebody didn't say. You're not trying to ruin somebody's reputation. Now, this means that you are not exaggerating uh, the words or events uh, that what happened. You're not twisting uh, words or events for your own benefit or to make a story look or sound better. This means that you're not gossiping. You're not sharing uh, details or information from somebody's life that you have no business sharing. This means that you are, you are not um, uh, talking about someone when you really shouldn't be talking about them. Really, what this is doing, this is saying you are supposed to live. God wants you to live a life of truth, or live a life of integrity. Fairly straightforward. We can look at a number of commands and say, yes, that is fairly straightforward. So we are driven to God's word. But there are times, there are times in our life where, where the decisions that we have to make uh, the, those decisions that we're confronted with, they're not as straightforward. Where scripture doesn't seem to have a, a clear um, answer to our question. So um, the question of, um, when I finish school, should I go right into the workforce or should I go into university? Or uh, if I decide to go into university, which, which one should I go into? I, maybe I'm, I'm wanting to date somebody, or I'm dating somebody, I'm thinking about marriage. Should I, should I marry this person, or, or shouldn't I? Or maybe I've been in my, my career for a while, and I'm starting to have these thoughts of, uh, of uns- being unsettled and unrest. Do I, do I apply to this job across the country and move my family, move myself, or do I just stay in my current position? Or maybe I'm, hey, I'm getting older, um, and uh, you know, I'm thinking about moving into this assisted care facility. Is this, is this the right thing for me to do, or do I stay put? Or there's a, a medical procedure that I could have that potentially could help me out. Uh, so do I go through this medical procedure, or, or do I just uh, kind of wait it out? I have a grown son or grown daughter, and I, I see something that I just really don't think is good for their life. Uh, I want to say something, but, but I don't really know if it's my place. I don't know whether to, to bring it up or I just kind of keep my mouth closed for now. 
there are a lot of situations uh, that we, we confront in life where Scripture doesn't clearly say, hey, you should do this and, and you should do that. And so we are driven not just to God's Word, we are driven to the Holy Spirit. We are driven to the Holy Spirit. And where we, we come to the Holy Spirit and we pray, we pray, God, help me. Guide me uh, to the, the, the guiding principles of your word. Guide me to, to a story in your word that might help uh, illuminate the path forward, the, the way that I should go. We go to the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, search me. I want you to search me. I, I'm laying myself bare before you. Help me to know if there's anywhere in my life right now where I am still clinging on to my will where I am desperately trying to have my way. God, show me where I am, uh, where I am still uh, wanting to carry out my will, where I am not indifferent. Lord, help me. I want to be indifferent to anything but your will for my life. Am I truly able to pray your will be done, or is there something that's holding me back? We're driven to the Holy Spirit. And having this, this, I, this idea of it um, being laid before us, maybe where we're going against God's will, where God is leading us, it's one thing to have it, have it revealed, to have it exposed, but then it's another thing to actually follow through with it and to, to walk in that direction, to carry it out. And so we pray to the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, I am powerless to do the Father's will. Would you help me? Would you give me what I need to make the decision that is pleasing to you? Would you transform my mind? Would you transform my will? Would you transform my desires so that they become yours? We're driven to the word of God. We are driven to God's Holy Spirit. And finally, we are driven to the cross. We are driven to the cross of Christ. Now, my guess, whether you're perceiving it actively or not, is that uh, you, feel, you feel like there is a 500-pound weight on your back right now. We've been talking a lot about God's commands, what God wants us to do actively, what God does not want us to do, what he wants us to refrain from. We've been talking a lot about these commands, and if, if we read Scripture primarily through the lens of do's and don'ts, this is going to crush us. If we read God's word primarily through the lens of law, we are going to be crushed by the weight of expectation. Because nobody lives entirely by God's word. Nobody is able to completely fulfill God's will of command. The only place that this is happening right now is in heaven. Bring your will to earth as it's being done in heaven. The angels, the saints that have gone before us are, are living obediently to God's will. They are praising and glorifying him for who he is and what he's done. But we, we are still here. We are still living as a part of this earth where we, where we still are able and still do choose to go against God's will. God's will of command. And so we are desperately driven to the cross of Jesus Christ where we look to what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf, who he is and what he's done. Because Jesus Christ had a will. He had his will and he had his Father's will before him. And as Mark read uh, earlier from our call to confession, uh, Jesus, he falls to the ground in desperation and he says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this. I see what's up ahead. And I do not want to go through with this pain, with this separation. God, is there any other way? There's a conflict going on here. 
and he senses, he perceives that, no, this is the way. This is the way that God has called me to walk. This is part of, the, this is part of God's uh, will of decree that we have determined before eternity passed that this is what's going to save God's people. And so Jesus Christ says, I am going to follow this command. I am going to walk in this way. I am going to be perfectly obedient to what the Father wants for me. And so Jesus goes to the cross, and he takes the weight upon himself. He takes that 500-pound weight that you're feeling right now. He takes it upon himself at the cross. He takes our sin, and he takes our disobedience, and he absorbs it in his own body. He takes it from us, and what we get is his perfect record. We get his record of obedience. We get his record that he has followed the will as Jesus has followed the will of the Lord perfectly. Now this becomes ours. And we have life. We have good standing. We have favor with God. We are adopted into his family, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so now our standing before God is no longer determined by what we do or what we don't do. No, God's standing is based on what Jesus Christ has already done. We are his saved people. We are his holy people in his eyes. And so we come to God we can come confidently with this prayer saying, your will be done. Because we know that we have a Father in heaven who has given up everything for us. A Father in heaven who is so worthy of our praise, who is so worthy of our adoration, who is far beyond us in every way imaginable. And he has given his Son for us so that we might have life. And so we pray this prayer with confidence, knowing that the Holy Spirit is praying this prayer with us, leading us into paths of righteousness for God's glory. All of God's people said, Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer, and this is from uh, 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 18th century Puritan Richard Arlane. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, your will be done. We are no longer our own, but yours. Put us to what you will. Rank us with whom you will. Put us to doing. Put us to suffering. Let us be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let us be full. Let us be empty. Let us have all things. Let us have nothing. We freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are ours and we are yours. Amen.